I've heard a handful of people say recently that the coaching bubble is popping or it's starting to pop. And I realized I've actually got content that I had written about this around my thoughts and around my predictions that I wrote like nine-ish months ago. And from everything that I can see, it is spot on. So I'm really fired up to talk about this today with you on what I see that's happening in the coaching industry from not just like, oh, the because I've not been in the coaching industry for that long. It's been a few years now, but like I've seen a little bit now, but beyond that, like just decades of being in business to share some thoughts around what's going on with the coaching industry and some predictions that I would like to make around this. So let's get to it. Welcome to Sustainable Scaling, a podcast for small service-based business owners who want to simply and sustainably scale from six to seven figures with strategy, systems, and a little bit of soul. My name is Adrienne Gallia, the founder and CEO of Soulpreneur, where I'm on a mission to help business owners just like you create time, financial, and lifestyle freedom through strategy operations and building a team so that you have a business that you not only love and pays you super well, but that can operate without you. So you can take actual unplugged vacations, you can step away from social media, and you can spend your time doing the things you love with the people that you love. Welcome to the show. Okay, so getting straight to the point, do I think the coaching bubble is popping? My answer to this is yes, I do think it's popping, but not in the sense of like it's going away. It's not going anywhere. It just means that when I say, yes, I think the coaching bubble is popping, I mean that it is it is. It is working less well for people who don't have their their stuff together. It is going to continue to work less well for people who don't get their house in order and particularly the front of house. So you're like the go-to-market side of your business is what I would consider when I say front of house, it's a very restaurant-y kind of term, maybe a retail term. I don't know. I've never worked in retail, done restaurants, never retail, um, but like the front of house. So front of house of a restaurant is like everything that happens that's not in the in the kitchen. So front of house is like your your wait staff and the host that's seating people and the bartenders and the all the all the stuff that's come, that's happening in the part of the restaurant that people can see. Applying that to your business, your forward, your your public facing stuff, the stuff that people sees, the stuff that people see, that was terrible grammar, are your sales, your marketing and your de- and your delivery. Your delivery isn't public, but like people can see that it's client facing. So public facing stuff, even if it's public facing to like people who have paid to be inside there. So public and like internally, pro- whatever, you get where I'm going with this. So got to get those things in order. If you don't get your selling processes down, if you don't get your marketing in order, if you don't get the way that you're delivering things and actually delivering results for people, if you're not getting that stuff in order, this is, it's going to go less and less well for you as time goes on. You've got to, you've got to develop excellence in these areas. So so here's what I said of, of a number of months back. It wasn't quite a year ago, but it was it was a number of months ago. I said the coaching bubble is starting to pop because the market has become savvy to how good, quote unquote, good, which is it's really not a it's not a really it's not a metric really to say good like good is so subjective. But the market has become savvy to how good marketing doesn't actually correlate to promised outcomes. So this the basically the long and short of what I was saying is number one that everyone except for the really big players at the top are seeing some type of dip in some sort of way. The people who are already at the top, I'm seeing them just get better and better. Their launches are doing better and better. They're getting bigger and bigger. They're making more and more money. It's not affecting them. They're in a place where like 
like, because I don't know if it's the way that they're perceived. I don't know if it's that they just really got their marketing systems in place. What I will say, what I believe is that they're the biggest thing is that they have treated their company like an actual company for long enough that it's actually behaving like a, like a company. So it's continuing, it's continuing to have some type of upward projected growth based on the stuff that they have built into their business. The other people, people who are not like they're the big players at the top, the people who are already multiple seven figures, eight figures, et cetera, that those people, the, the people who are not them, I am one of those people, by the way, <laughs> I'm not there. I'm not multiple. I'm not seven figures. I have been, but I'm not in this business, seven figures, not eight figures, but I've helped those people, but I'm not there. There's been a dip in some way, either a dip in conversion rates, dip in sales, dip in revenue, and a change in market behavior or the way that people buy or combination of all of the things. This is because, or this is a lot of people are talking about, and this is, I would say that this is a, a, it's just a truth that the economy is different. I think that could be argued in a court of law as truth. The economy is different. Buyer behavior is different. I guess you could maybe say that that's not arguable in a court of law. You might have a differing opinion on that. That's fine. But I think by and large, my opinion is that buyer behavior is different. And there are a lot of people who are saying that because the economy is different and because buyer behavior is different, that's why these dips are happening in the market. I disagree with that. It's because there is a distrust in the promises that are being made in marketing. And I don't necessarily think that that's going to go away. Like when we see eventually when the economy like resurges, because that is going to happen, everything is cyclical. The economy is going to come back. There's going to be another boom in the way that people spend there. It, it might come back in a way that like, yes, people will start to spend money more loosey goosey. I don't really mean loosey goosey, but like in a way where they're maybe paying slightly less attention because they're, they're, they're being less guarded of the, the ways in which they're spending their money. But like for the foreseeable future, I think people are going to continue to guard the way that they're spending their money. They, because people are generally distrustful, there's a level of market sophistication around the awareness that people have for marketing and selling, particularly educational things, that there is a natural distrust of promised outcomes made in marketing materials, period. Like, I again, could that be argued in a court of law as truth? I I would be happy to take that argument. I would I would take that argument all day long. But like that's it's a very strong opinion that I have, and it's because there is a lack of skill in how to actually market, like textbook definition of market. So big players at the top. This is why I said like there's a lot of big players who are not seeing big changes in the money that they're making and their launches are continuing to do well and 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 they know how to market. Like they've learned how to do that. They've acquired the hard skills to market. Some of them have acquired it too well where it's become manipulative and where they they're using some they've used their powers for bad instead of good, because every virtue at some point can become a vice. If you've ever heard that saying, I think that that, I remember the first time I heard it, I was like, oh, that's really good. That's really enlightening, actually, that there are some people that they know how to market it so well that like, actually it's kind of manipulative and they're plowing through. Anyway, we're not, that's a different, go listen to, go listen to me talk with Steve. <laughs> we'll talk, we'll talk through all the manipulative marketing things, but there's a lack of skill around how to actually market. And people are making up for this lack of skill. And I say people very loosely, <laughs> very loosely. This is, a, if you've been around, you know, I don't like talking about this is not meant to shame anyone. It's not meant to say like, while well, you're doing something wrong, you're doing something bad. It's not about shaming. It's about like, this is an invitation to do better. And so there is a, in, in accordance with a lack of marketing, there has been a, a bandaid that's been put on the lack of skill around marketing that has 
that has that band-aid is selling and marketing with money, social proof, and or false scarcity. And this is where the people who like they really know how to market well and they've used their powers for maybe some bad instead of good, again, subjective terms, but but we'll use it for now, is like they've taught a lot of false scarcity things because scarcity does work to sell. And I'm not against scarcity. Like I think that there are benefits to saying, like, no, I'm only a, I'm only enrolling 10 people into this program because I'm not going to be able to deliver the results as well as I would like if I have more than 10 people in the in the program. That's not icky scarcity. That's scarcity that's an integrity. So I'm not against scarcity, but the false scarcity, totally different thing. If you're saying, well, there's only 10 spots available, but then you actually sell 20 spots, that's false scarcity and I'm not here for it. So you're making up for, but it creates that sense of false scarcity, creates a sense of FOMO and it creates a sense of, I need to buy this because there's only 10 spots available. And it works because people people have an, they're, they're trusting, or at least they have been, that, oh, there's only 10 spots available. And this person is saying there's only two spots left, so I better take them. And you get in there and realize, okay, well, there's actually 20 people in here and that's really misleading. So... <laughs> Uh, how do I, how would you, like, how would you feel if that was done? Would you go, wow, like good selling? Like, wow, I really love the way that you sold me into that. Like, I really believed you. If you're a person who's, who feels that and you'd be like impressed with that, that you'd be like, wow, good job. I, I don't know. Then I guess sell that way. <laughs> like the golden rule of selling is sell the way that you would want to be sold to yourself. That's my, I've created the golden rule of selling. I don't think I've ever heard anybody else say it that way, but that's in general, like that's those, that, that falls under the golden rule of businesses do business the way that you would want business that you would want to do business with someone else. The golden rule of marketing, market to people the way that you would want to be marketed to. The golden rule of selling, sell the way that you would want to be sold to. In general, like if you're a person who would like to be sold to with false scarcity, then I guess go for it. (laughs) But like, I'm not here for it. So all of those things, if you're selling with money, if you're primarily selling with social proof of just like, look at, look at all my client wins and look at all my client wins and look at all my client wins. But like, actually the majority of your clients aren't achieving those wins. You just happen to have a lot of social proof. Like all of that stuff is what I would call lazy marketing. That sounds naturally a little shamey and that's not the point, but it is lazy marketing. And I mean that in the most loving of ways that lazy marketing is lazy marketing is lazy marketing. You can do better. And I promise that your programs will probably sell better when you choose to stop using that type of marketing. And the la- the other thing here is that I see a lot of people who have programs where the majority of people that go through the programs are not achieving the primary promise of value. And if that's the case for you, should that really be how you're marketing your offer? Mm, I don't know. I don't know. You can you can just ponder on that one. So all of those things to say, there are just a lot of people right now who are leaving their businesses to go back to corporate. So this is that's sort of the state of where I see things are. I want to transition now into where I see things going. So there's a lot of people who are leaving their businesses to go back to corporate. I see that happening very clearly. I see people who are like big names who are taking indefinite sabbaticals because they're burnt out or they're like quitting. They're completely leaving their business. They're not even saying like, I'm going to take a sabbatical. They're just saying I'm done. But they're taking the cushion that they've built with the money that they've made and they're just living off of it. Or maybe they are going back to like a corporate job and they're just not saying that because they want to leave the opportunity open to be able to come back to their business without looking like, oh, I went and got a corporate job in corporate for a while because I just couldn't do this anymore, but I also didn't have the money to to actually take a sabbatical. Like whatever. I'm not here to judge what those people are doing at all. Like whatever you've got to do to be able to, f- to feed yourself and feed your family, there's no shame in that. Like go for it. But there's a lot, there are people who are going back to corporate. There are a lot of people who have had big businesses, significant businesses who are leaving because they're burnt out and stressed out and they don't want to do it anymore. And there, I would argue that the way that they have been doing things in their business, selling, marketing, delivering, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, are not a 
aligned them, or they've been just bypassing the fact that like there are people who are not getting results that they've promised. And at some point, because I assume the the best in people and that you have good intentions and that's worn on you for long enough that like you see that you're taking people's money and they're not getting what's promised to you, like that will burn you out at some point. If you have a heart, like it's, it's, you can only go so far by saying like, well, I've got boundaries. So it's not my fault if people aren't getting the programs. The, the the promises that I'm that I'm putting out there like at some point that probably is going to bother you and it's if it doesn't right now like I'm not here to say that that's good bad indifferent any of it like I'm just saying at some point that if you are a person who cares about other people that at some point that probably will weigh on you because when you see that it's happening over and over and over and over again for a number of years like I don't know how could it not at some point start weighing on you that like most of the people are not getting the outcomes that I sold them on and like why they paid me and it's starting to wear on people and i see a lot of like mid-sized play like people who have had some success in business who are you know over six figures maybe over seven figures i would say those are the mid-sized players that are leaving coaching to go to passive revenue because they don't want to coach anymore i think because it's obvious when people are not getting the results that they're promising so passive is like it's less of an emotional burden it's when someone says no to you, there's a lot less of an emotional toll that it takes because it's not like you getting on a discovery call to sell the thing and, 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 and personally, I think that that could backfire for a lot of people. There's like this, the people that I see like rushing toward passive income, I'm like, you do really understand how drastically you're changing your business model. Not like I have a client right now that we, we sat down and talked last night and I was like, I think that what the thing that you really want is passive revenue. And in the beginning, when I started working with a person eight or nine months ago was like, they were really opposed to passive income. Like they were not into courses and things like that. Like they, it was just not what they were interested in. And I was like, I know that you said you didn't, but like, I really think that you do. And they admitted like, yeah, I think that I do want to move more on a passive direction. And the thing, like, we're not doing that in a season. We're doing that over the course of time. Like we're going to introduce, we're going to continue to sell coaching because it is absolutely what this person wants to do for right now. And it's important to them and they, they love doing it, but they also want to add passive revenue into their business model. So, okay, that's, we can make intentional plans around that. And we're not going to just like burn everything to the ground, let go of coaching programs and eliminate the MRR that we have. We're going to like take intentional action over the next year to build out a structure for passive revenue so that we're not like burning one business model to the ground for another. So if you are a person who's thinking about switching your business model, going from more of an active coaching model into a passive revenue model or vice versa, or any other combination of the two things, like remember that this is not something that you necessarily want to just like be done with, that it's something that you probably want to look at doing over time with the help and guidance, especially because we're going to make the assumption that you've got some money in your business to that you can that you can afford help and guidance around this to go to a business model that you might know not know as much about. And you can shortcut some you can shortcut some of the stuff that you don't, you know, maybe know as well how to do or how to navigate those things on whatever, on whatever level you need that and whatever capacity that you need that, like you can start to make some intentional decisions around how you want to move forward. What I'm going to say is predictions for the future. And I'm going to sort of, I'm going to haul through these because that really gets my point across of like, I think that there's a change that's coming. I think that there's a change that's needed around excellence and mastery in what you do. I'm not a big fan of the word mastery, but like excellence, I, it gets, it gets the point across. So you need excellence in what you do. And if you don't have it, I don't know if you should be doing it. <laughs> that's my, that's my honest take on that. Like if you don't have excellent, if you don't know how to achieve the result for yourself, and if you don't, 
in addition, if you don't know how to, if you know how to achieve the result for yourself, but you've never helped someone else achieve it, like maybe work in small groups, if not one-on-one to help someone else achieve it. And then before you start doing one-to-many, like let's help and Matt, like make sure that this works for multiple people in multiple different ways. And you understand how to explain it in multiple different ways. So multiple scenarios and multiple people with learning, different learning styles and different situations and unique personalities and, 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 and are going to be able to get the result that you promise. I'm sorry if you're listening to this on 2x speed. I don't even know how you would be able to keep up with with <laughs> with the thoughts that are just free flowing out of my mouth right now. And, but ultimately, what it comes down to is if you're not getting people results and you don't have a level of excellence enough to be able to actually teach the results that you're getting people, it's not going to work for you because people aren't getting the results and people are becoming wise to this. There's an I'm Alex Hormozy, Horm, Horm, I think Hormozy. This is showing if you're like you are you serious? Like you don't know how to say his last name? I don't. When the first time somebody mentioned it, him to me a couple months ago, I was like. I don't know who that is. And they were like, are you serious? Have you been living under a rock? I don't really know who he is. But I finally was like, okay, I'm going to pay attention. Like, I'm going to go look at some of his stuff. And I was really open to this because I saw he was like, I don't have anything to sell. Like all my stuff, I just like give it away and my like 99 cent ebook or whatever. And that might not be, you might be like, "Ah, he doesn't actually do that. I don't know. I don't know enough about him, but he had a really interesting podcast episode on using Harvard as a study for how to sell education products. So if you're, if you're selling courses or or coaching programs or masterminds or things like that. It was a really interesting episode around like, they're not out there with like testimonials of this is how, like, look at how much money this Harvard graduate is making after they graduated Harvard law or after they graduated with a degree in, in microbiology or whatever, like they're out there talking about the percentages they're talking about the, you know, they didn't wind up graduate that, that only, you know, 85% of their, the people that they admitted as a freshman wind up graduating so that they have an understanding of like, we're we're not letting out those. We're not going to let people through and go th- go out into the world with a Harvard diploma and misrepresent the level of education that we provide people. Like if you leave with a Harvard education and you have a degree from Harvard, like we have a standard of, of excellence around that. It's a really interesting episode that I will try. I will let Mackenzie. This is a note to you to try to. I I will send you a link for that so that we can link it in the show notes somehow. Um, so that if you're interested in listening to that, because I it was like the it's the only podcast episode of his I've ever listened to. It's not an endorsement on any of the rest of it, but I found it very interesting. Also, messaging skills are required. (laughs) Got to learn how to sell. You got to learn how to market. But beyond that, you've got to learn how to message. This is way beyond selling and marketing. You can learn to sell and market and have some success. But if you want to go all the way and you want to do this in the long term, you also need to understand messaging. You need to be able to deeply diagnose what's happening with someone. Otherwise, in the long run, it's going to be more difficult for them to trust you. This is going to be an ongoing and evolving process as the market naturally continues to shift. Learn how to market or learn how to message. Learn how to market too. Learn how to message. And then more and more people are going to realize that they don't want to be a business owner. I think that this is just going to keep, this is just going to continue to happen more and more. And there's nothing wrong with this. I've had clients that have not had as much success. I've had clients that have had success have said like, this is not for me. <laughs> like I, I'm, and I'm proud of that when people leave coaching with me and they're like, I don't want to be a business owner. That's not, I don't see that as an indication of I have failed them. I see that as an indication of I have helped them understand that they don't want to put, you know, years of their life into something that they don't actually enjoy. Like it's not the freedom that you think it is. Running a business is not guaranteed freedom at all. In fact, the bizar- bi- the bigger your business gets, if you're not being intentional around crafting freedom for yourself. And the way that I look at this is you can't have financial freedom without time freedom. It all starts with time freedom. You build 
build time freedom in. Once you've got time freedom, you have the capacity to build financial freedom. And once you've got financial freedom, you can seek the ultimate freedom, which is relationship freedom, which gives you the freedom of who you, who and how you spend your time with. Like that's the ultimate. Once you've got that, you've got the trifecta of, of lifestyle freedom, but it's running a business is not guaranteed freedom. It's not the thing that's just like the be all end all. I can spend whatever I want and I'm going to have the money that I want and I'm going to be able to do whatever I want. It does not work that way. And it's a lot harder than going and cashing a paycheck in corporate for most people. It's not for everybody. More and more people are going to realize this and it's not a bad thing. I think it's an excellent thing. I think everyone should be doing the thing that's going to bring them the most joy, that's going to give them the closest thing to the thing that what whatever they want out of life is. That's great. And if it's not being a business owner for you, there's no shame in that. If it's being a housewife, it's if it's being a stay-at-home dad, if it's being uh, an educator, if it's whatever it is, like go chase that thing, go go do that thing. I don't even want to say chase because it's not about chasing happiness. Like just go do that. Go to do the thing that's going to give you the the closest version to whatever your version of freedom is. Because business ain't necessarily it. And there's going to be a lot of people who approach their business as either building a business. That's online, that that they're either approaching building a business as they're building an online business, those people are going to stay freelancers, or they're going to be the people who approach building their business as I'm building a business that just happens to be online. Those are the people that are going to be able to go further. When you approach building your business as actually building a business and it just happens to be primarily being built online or in the online space or through the online industry or whatever that looks like, that's going to determine how far you're able to go. And there's nothing wrong with quote unquote just, I don't even mean just, but just building an online business where it's you're basically just like okay, I'm going to do the thing and I'm going to get money for it. And it's never intended to be a million dollar a year thing. And it's that's honestly, most people probably don't want a seven figure business. It's a lot of work. So like, that's okay if if that's what you're choosing to do, but you choose to do these things in an intentional way so that you can have more of what you want. Like that's what it's all about creating joy in your life through your business. And, but whichever one you want, if you, if you want to go to seven figures, eight figures, if you, if you want to just keep it as simple as possible, like there's a difference in the way you're going to build your business. You're either going to build an online business or you're going to build a business that just happens to be online. And you can want a very simple business and still approach it from the, from the sense of, of, um, I want to build a business that just happens to be online. It's just, there's going to be more structure to it. Anyway, that's a whole separate episode in and of itself. Now that I'm starting to talk about it, that's a whole separate thing. So the very last thing that I want to say, just because we're saying like, I'm going to give predictions is AI is going to completely change the way that business is being done. I don't know enough about it yet. I've not played with AI a ton. It's something that I I personally feel if I don't start to get ahead of the AI learning curve, I'm going to get left behind. So it's something that I do want to put more of an intentional effort around. I don't think that AI is going to replace coaches. I don't think that, a, because the thing about AI is you have to understand how to ask good questions. That's what I do know about AI. You've got to understand how to prompt it well. And if you don't know how to prompt it well, then it's not going to give you the results. So that's where just going to leave that where it is for right now, but that's, that's where it's at. That's where I, that's, that's where I'm at with the coaching bubble. Is it popping? Where's it going? What's happening? Some, some things I've said about it in the past. What are my future predictions? If this was helpful, I would love for you to share it with a friend. Let me know on Instagram, send me a DM. And of course, if you're so inclined, leave, leave a review. I would love that. And I will catch you in the next one. 
Well, friend, we have reached the end of another episode. But before you go, I wanted to ask if you found this episode helpful, inspirational, or insightful, or hopefully a little bit of all three. And if so, I would really appreciate your leaving a five-star review or sharing it with your friends on social media. And if you do, I would love to send you a complimentary copy of my month-by-month yearly planning template, which is kind of the greatest spreadsheet of all time. (laughs) I love making spreadsheets. It's amazing to organize what you're planning, what you're promoting, and what you're preparing. It'll organize your launches, your content, what your team should be working on if you've got a team. And it includes a video training to get you going with the with the template. And all you've got to do is take a screenshot of your review and then tag me on Instagram in a story, or you can DM it to me at Sustainable Scaling. I appreciate your support so much, and I will catch you in the next episode. Thank you.